Hello and welcome back to ATI, the Car Should Be Business channel. My name is Jay. This is a special live event, a first of its kind. Uh, we have a situation here where uh, we feel the need to present the news, focus on the facts. Whatever the outcome of this is, the ACV Auctions versus NAAA et al. lawsuit, uh, the scope, depth, and reach of all the parties and politics involved is so lengthy that the ATI business channel feels the need and the journalistic responsibility to talk about it and focus on it. So that's what we're going to do here today. Please do feel free to leave a like. You can share this link. Um, you can jump in the live chat. You can add your opinion, your take, your question. I, I highly encourage you to download your own copy of the 51-page legal complaint. We're going to dive into it. After this presentation, there will be a panel discussion. Um, so please stay tuned with your information. It was eight days ago when I first heard of this antitrust lawsuit in Automotive News. ACV Auctions files a U.S. antitrust lawsuit alleging Mannheim, Odessa, and other auctions are shutting it out. I looked at the other news resources in automotive to verify what was happening. Auto Remarketing had it. CBT News had it. But within 24 to 48 hours, I saw it go away from home pages. And in its place now, we see digital auction advertising from named defendants, etc. So there is something to talk about here it is of noteworthy the NAAA convention is happening right now in Dallas uh, the NAAA convention sponsors you'll see similar names on the sponsors as well as in the complaint in fact I think, believe they're all gathered together right now uh, during the convention and it is also noteworthy on the NAAA website they do talk about types of membership requirements of membership um, code of ethics, aspects of business to do nothing to bring disrepute to the NAAA and to the auto auction industry. And that in auction week recently in 2021, NAAA members reported more than $120 billion in sales and facilitated the sale of 7.5 million vehicles. So this is a very large marketplace. Auto IMS... I encourage you to visit the Auto IMS website. Again, you will find the ownership of Auto IMS, Car Global, Servnet, Mannheim, IAG. And that on Auto IMS, they talk about the different auto auction services in their built in partnerships. And at the bottom of the page, you'll find Auto Auction Services Corporation. This is also a memo that I found um, AASC announcing. Its proposal to meet the growing demand of consigners and auctions with its online multi-listing platform. There's a lot of discussion about digital auctions. In fact, since our founding in 1997, we've been dedicated to helping the remarketing industry succeed through the application of new technologies and focused on delivering results that improve business practices for the benefit of all Online vehicle portfolio management and sales are here, and many in the industry feel it's time to move forward to the next level. Indeed, online multi-selling platforms were the subject of two seminars earlier in the year, and this is in 2013. We see this technology as evolutionary, not revolutionary, and it represents progress that will be of great benefit to everyone. Also, the IAG website clearly defines that their business are members of the National Auto Auction Association and AAA. And of note, Mannheim's physical auto auctions may go away is an article from 2020 when Sandy Schwartz, head of Cox Automotive, Mannheim's owner, when asked if the day will come when Mannheim reopens its nationwide chain of physical auto auctions from the pandemic, he said, I hope not. Many people heard him express that sentiment in 2019 and 2020. He said digital auctions are safer, quicker, and better for everyone involved. We don't want to go back to people on top of each other. Before COVID-19 took root in the U.S., Mannheim had converted 
three of its facilities to all digital formats in which vehicles remained parked outside in designated spots. Again, I encourage you to, uh, you can find the Buffalo News ACV Auctions accuses competitors of illegal conspiracy and antitrust lawsuit. You can scroll down to the bottom of that article, download your own PDF. That's where I got my copy as I'm going to be going through this today digitally. This is the face page, ACV Auctions versus NAAA, Mannheim, Odessa, ServNet, IAG, in which ACV claims a group of entrenched horizontal competitors conspired to prevent competition. It states, in particular, defendants, Mannheim, Odessa, ServNet, IAG, have used their control over NAAA to deny ACV access to critical software called AutoIMS. The defendants have prevented ACV from obtaining a license directly, the complaint states. That's on page four. Looking at page five, the claim is the NAAA is whatever Mannheim wants it to be. And defendants' unlawful conduct violates the Sherman Act, the Clayton Act, and the Donnelly Act, which we're going to look at later. Defendants have orchestrated a group boycott. Defendants' conduct has resulted in higher costs to consigners and higher prices paid by consumers to obtain used vehicles. On page 6, it is stated that defendants are collectively joining forces to artificially insulate their outdated business models from effective competition while they attempt to retool for the digital age. On page 10 we read, AASC was created in 1997 as a joint venture of defendants. And until at least spring of 2022, AASC's board of directors was comprised solely of representatives of defendants. AASC, again, was the name Auto Auction Services Corp at the bottom of the Auto IMS website. To note, there are more than 130,000 used car dealerships throughout the U.S., each year, these dealerships sell millions of used automobiles to retail consumers. However, we're going to dive into the other group, the commercial consigners. Uh, of note, on page 11, ACV states, Companies that provide auction services not only facilitate the used vehicle auctions, but also provide a range of services for the vehicle sellers. And there are two st separate and distinct groups of sellers, used car dealers and commercial consigners. Commercial consigners are commercial or government entities that own or maintain large fleets, manufacturers, finance companies, finance institutions, commercial fleet operators, government agencies. Commercial consigners need a comprehensive, easy-to-use vehicle inventory management system. ACV states, due to promises by defendants, commercial consigners have designed their business around auto IMS. Commercial consigners require access to auto IMS. So if you want to do business with the commercial consigners, you're going to need access to auto IMS, as is stated. In or around late 1997, defendants formed AASC. AASC was the result of a proposal at an NAAA convention. Interesting to note. Defendants promised that auto IMS access would be available to any auction provider who requested it, as is claimed. That's on page 15. As a non-proprietary internet system for use by the entire auction industry. Defendants account for 97% of all NAAA members. Given the dominant combined market share of defendants, in AASC's own words, auto IMS became a necessary infrastructure, the industry standard, the exclusive inventory management system used by most large commercial consigners. In fact, as stated on June 12, 2000 in Automotive News, Auto Auction Services was created to provide a non-proprietary internet system for use by the entire auction industry. The idea was to create one internet platform that everyone 
continuing page 17, could connect and it could level the playing field for all participating auctions, a technology for the entire industry. Page 20. Physical auctions impose significant expenses on vehicle sellers who must transport the vehicles to the physical auction site. Physical auctions impose significant time demands on vehicle buyers who are required to travel to and attend the live auction. Buyers must then expend substantial costs to transport the vehicles from the physical auction site. It's pointed out, therefore, ACV launched its 20-minute online used vehicle marketplace in June 2015. Continuing on page 20, 20, uh, 22, ACV currently facilitates the sale of approximately 20,000 used vehicles per month across 100 geographies. ACV has been less successful with commercial consigners who do require inventory management software like Auto IMS. One commercial consigner told ACV that once you figure out how to use Auto IMS, we will be happy to integrate with you. Once ACV realized auto IMS was necessary to do business with the commercial consigners, ACV sought access to auto IMS. Defendants have implemented and engaged in an illegal anti-competitive conspiracy, claims ACV. And that NAAA's website states online-only auctions are not eligible for NAAA membership as is stated on page 23 in the complaint. Page 24. NAAA's Executive Officers, Board of Directors, Membership Committee, and Joint Marketing Committee are controlled by owners, executives, and or employees from defendants. Defendants have used their control over NAAA to adopt anti-competitive membership requirements in a discriminatory and inconsistent manner. On or after August 27, 2018, ACV submitted a written application for NAAA membership. Later in 2018, NAAA denied ACV's membership application, citing ACV's failure to satisfy the physical auction requirement. NAAA told ACV that it was not eligible for membership. Some NAAA members have acknowledged that the physical auction requirement has been used to preclude competition from an innovative and disruptive competitor such as ACV as is claimed in the complaint on page 24. In fact, one NAAA member has publicly stated the following, that NAAA is whatever Mannheim wants it to be. Then 20 years later, when Mannheim pioneered the mobile auction business, the rules pertaining to having a physical location were changed to accommodate them, as is claimed. NAAA has admitted and continues to have members that do not satisfy the physical auction requirement and or own holding facilities to park cars. NAAA also has members that either A, do not display moving vehicles as they are being offered to buyers for auction bids, or B, do not have auctioneers physically present during auctions. Defendants also have digital marketplaces. And NAAA's refusal to allow ACV to become an NAAA member is contrary NAAA's independent business interests because it deprives NAAA of membership dues, a substantial source of revenue for the NAAA, $1.4 million in revenue per year from all members. Page 26, there is no formal application process for auto IMS access from AASC upon information and belief AASC's board must vote to approve a request for an auto IMS license. On July 5, 2019, ACV made a formal written request to AASC to license auto IMS. It's a formal request. Consigners want to work with online auction platforms like ACV claims ACV in the complaint. AASC's president and CEO responded to ACV's request, and the board was unanimous in its decision. ACV's business model does not fit for an AASC charter. AASC's decision to deny ACV access to auto IMS was part of an agreement between horizontal competitors to insulate themselves from disruptive competition, as it states in the complaint. Contrary to AASC's business interests, denying ACV a license for auto IMS denies AASC the revenue it would receive. AASC's refusal to license auto IMS to ACV sacrifices short-term profits to insulate defendants, as is claimed, 
and the reasons AASC provided for denying access are pretextual. Mannheim and Odessa alone control roughly 40% of physical auction sites. Continued on page 28, approximately 70.3% of wholesale vehicle auction services. In July 2021, relying on AASC's statement and on NAAA's presentation, ACV purchased a 49% interest in Central Auto Auction located in Connecticut, and it had access to Auto IMS since 2009. On October 28, 2021, defendant NAAA suspended CAA's membership. The only reason stated for the suspension was the affiliation with ACV, claims ACV. However, NAAA withdrew that suspension in December 2021. NAAA's refusal to admit ACV to its membership is the result of an illegal horizontal group boycott, as is stated. And of note, in July 2009, Copart sued AASC, alleging a group boycott. Copart alleged that AASC offered inflated and discriminatory fees. An officer of one of the vehicle auction companies which owns and controls Auto IMS informed an industry executive that Auto IMS was designed to be a moat around our castle, as is claimed. Following the suit by Copart... On August 18, 2009, AASC issued a press release announcing that Copart and AASC have reached an agreement that enables Copart to use AASC's Automotive Inventory Management System, AutoIMS. Today, Copart's many locations are listed as AASC auctions, and Copart is listed as a member of the NAAA, despite being a digital platform. At or around the same time that defendants conspired to deny ACV access, defendants were developing their own platforms to compete against ACV. In 2018, Mannheim launched the Mannheim Express app and the online vehicle exchange, OVE. Mannheim Express and OVE offered online bidding, copying ACV's digital platform, most recently in April 22, Upside Direct. These digital offerings have not impacted Mannheim's NAAA membership or its auto IMS license. Similarly, Adessa launched Adessa.com. Page 32, as of April 2020, more than 40 Adessa are running simulcast-only sales. Adessa also owns at least three online platforms, TradeRev, Backlot Cars, CarWave. Adessa.com is listed as one of the auto IMS auctions on the auto IMS website maintained by AASC. The emerging shift to digital online platforms has also been recognized and publicly acknowledged by defendants. In 2019, ServNet's then-CEO explained that a challenge facing the wholesale sector is digital transformation. In June and October 2019, respectively, Mannheim executives noted, We don't think of it as digital or physical. It's the digitization of the auction. Further, due to limitation imposed by the COVID-19 pandemic, which as we recall, physical locations were shut down. October 2020, ServNet said the auction industry has survived the COVID-19 pandemic because vehicles could be bought and sold at auction online. Specifically, the ability to offer vehicles for sale to a remote audience has become a regular part of the auction experience. Despite these changes, defendants through their control of NAAA and AASC, have denied ACV access to Auto IMS based on ACV's online-only auction format while, on information and belief, simultaneously using Auto IMS to benefit their own online auction operations. There are two antitrust markets, the market for auction services and the market for auction services integrated with a standard vehicle inventory management system. Defendant's conspiracy is directed toward the specific market for auction services integrated with a standardized vehicle inventory management system. That includes national fleet owners and or operators, such as the federal government, national finance committees, such as GM Financial Services and Capital Auto Finance. Commercial consigners require auction service providers to have a platform that integrates with auto IMS before the consigner will list a used vehicle for sale on that platform. Commercial consigners distinguish between auction services. Commercial consigners do not view unintegrated auction services as a meaningful substitute 
for such services that are integrated with a standardized vehicle inventory management system. Commercial consigners require auto IMS integration specifically. And for example, in 2021, 78.6% of finance companies used auto IMS to process new leases. And 64.6% of finance companies used auto IMS to process new loans. ACV has already heard from companies that they would not use auction services that were not integrated with auto IMS. Lack of access to auto IMS is the only barrier keeping ACV and other digital auction providers from competing. Due to the nationwide scope of operations for most commercial consigners, the relevant geographic market for this market is the entire United States. The defendant's market power is protected by an absolute barrier to entry, access to auto IMS. Commercial consigners adopted auto IMS only after receiving promises by defendants that auto IMS would be a non-proprietary internet system for use by the, by the entire auction industry claims ACV. And now commercial consigners are locked into auto IMS. The claim is that auto IMS has monopoly power in the market for standardized vehicle inventory management systems. In a nutshell, AASC develops, owns, and controls auto IMS. Defendants Mannheim served at IAG until recently Odessa owned and controlled AASC. And by virtue of this ownership and control, AASC has market power in the market for standardized vehicle inventory management systems. With regards to injuries, commercial consigners have repeatedly told ACV they are unable to work with ACV because they use auto IMS for inventory management and ACV does not have access to auto IMS. In 2018, ACV reached out to Hyundai Capital's Director of Lease and Servicing. HCA told ACV that HCA uses auto IMS and refused to work with ACV because ACV did not have auto IMS. HCA encouraged ACV to come back once they have access to auto IMS. In effect, ACV lost access to the wholesale auction sales that might come from one of the largest providers of new leases because it did not have access to auto IMS. In November 2019, ACV entered in an agreement with Santander Consumer USA regarding Chrysler vehicles. Because ACV did not have access to auto IMS, Santander had to break its process and workflow in order to send business to ACV, and it couldn't do it anymore. 2020, October, Santander terminated its agreement with ACV. April 2022, ACV met with GM Financial, the second largest provider of new leases. At that meeting, GM Financial's first question was whether ACV was integrated with auto IMS. Similar discussions with partners like U.S. Bank, who are only willing to partner with ACV for inspection services because ACV doesn't have auto IMS. By precluding competition, defendants can charge supra-competitive auction service fees to both sellers and purchasers of used commercial consignment vehicles. There are few checks on the high prices and supra-competitive auction service fees that defendants charge, claims ACV. Defendants' anti-competitive exclusion of ACV was intended to and has had the effect of preventing innovative competition in the market for auction services integration with a standardized vehicle inventory management system. Direct, direct injury here is not limited to ACV, but harms all innovative and disruptive digital-only auction services. And as is stated on page 40, the ultimate victims of defendants' illegal conspiracy are retail purchasers of used vehicles. We're going to talk about the antitrust laws briefly that were mentioned, the Sherman Act. Congress passed the first antitrust law the Sherman Act in 1890 as a comprehensive charter of economic liberty aimed at preserving free and unfettered competition as the rule of trade. In 1914, Congress passed two additional antitrust laws, the FTC Act, which created the Clayton Act. The antitrust laws prescribe unlawful mergers and business practices in general terms, leaving courts to decide which ones are illegal based on the facts of each case. Courts have applied the antitrust laws to changing markets, from a time of horse and buggies to the present digital age. Yet for over 100 years, the antitrust laws have had the same basic objective to protect the process of competition for the benefits of consumers, making sure there are strong incentives for businesses to operate efficiently, keep prices down, and quality up. There are three federal antitrust laws 
the Sherman Act, every contract combination or conspiracy in restraint of trade, and any monopolization, attempted monopolization or conspiracy or combination to monopolize. The Sherman Act does not prohibit every restraint of trade, only those unreasonable. Certain acts are considered so harmful, they are almost always illegal. These acts are per se violations. The penalties for violating the Sherman Act can be severe. There are criminal prosecutions, typically limited to intentional or clear violations. The Sherman Act imposes criminal penalties of up to $100 million for a corporation. The FTC Act bans unfair methods of competition and unfair or deceptive acts or practices. The Clayton Act addresses specific practices that the Sherman Act does not clearly prohibit, such as mergers and interlocking directories, that is, the same person making business decisions for competing companies. The Clayton Act also authorizes private parties to super triple damages when they have been harmed by conduct that violates either the Sherman or Clayton Act. There's also the Donnelly Act, as is mentioned, which is a state antitrust law in New York prohibits contract agreement arrangement combination that creates maintains a monopoly or restrains competition several actions including price fixing bid rigging agreements between competitors to divide contracts amongst themselves market division scheme group boycotting which is competitors agreeing to boycott a certain entity and tying selling a product or service with a condition that the buyer agrees to buy a different product or service and finally, three cases that I saw that are in this realm of jurisdiction. You got United States versus Microsoft, a noted American antitrust law case. The U.S. government accused Microsoft of illegally maintaining its monopoly position in the personal computer market, primarily through the legal and technical restrictions it put on the abilities of PC manufacturers and users to uninstall Internet Explorer and use other programs such as Netscape and Java. The issue central to the case was whether Microsoft was allowed to bundle its flagship web browser software with its Windows operating system. Bundling them is alleged to have been responsible for Microsoft's victory in the browser wars as every window user had a copy of IE. On November 2, 2001, the DOJ reached an agreement with Microsoft to settle the case, which included the requirement of Microsoft to share its application programming interfaces with third-party companies and appoint a panel of three people who would have full access to Microsoft's records for five years to ensure compliance. There's also the case of AT&T. The DOJ filed in 1974, the world's largest privately owned corporation monopolizing telecommunications. Some documents about that that we, we can discuss and talk about. And finally, uh, Standard Oil. Companies' dealings brought to light and the federal government sued Standard Oil. The Supreme Court ordered Standard Oil's breakup in 1911. Congress strengthened antitrust laws with the FTC and Clayton Act from there. So that, in a nutshell, I believe is the aspects of the case, potential remedies, consequences and otherwise... And so what we're going to do now is, and I've missed everything in the live chat, and I realize it's a lot of information, and I encourage you to get your own copy and follow at home. Uh, but what we're going to do now is we're going to bring in our live panel discussion. Uh, we have Ty Thompson is with us. Uh, oh, let me get let me get this screen set up here. Hang on one second, folks. Okay. Great. In the first square here, we have uh, Brianna Cox of Asset Resolutions. Brianna, thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Will Morris, the car auction coach, is with us. Good afternoon. And, of course, Ty, how you doing? You've got your courtesy mute on. That's okay. Thanks for doing that. Okay. I've talked enough. Take it away, please. <clears throat> well, I'm not going to start. That was a lot. It's a lot. Whoa. Yeah. Good job, Jay. Yeah, you did an amazing job um, redlining that. Appreciate mm. it. Um, so why is this important to the industry? 
the auto industry. What's the what's the point? Well, think think about that because Jay, in the in the complaint on page one thirty six, one of AC's claims was that this hurt, this hurt the retail customer. What about the dealer, right? And that's one of the points that we'll make. Uh, and I don't know what the cadence here is, Jay. I guess I'll start with this because I think there are three takeaways from this, right? And the first is that uh, a legalese is a little out of my depth. Antitrust stuff is heady uh, uh, territory. And I think a lot of this is to be determined. That's what the courts are for, right? So everything else is conjecture, in my opinion, right? Um, but on page 18, and I think it leads into page 19, section 55, the basis of this thing seems like it's on pretty good founding, right? That ACV has got a pretty solid claim there. But secondly, um, a point I wanted to make is that uh, I think this is a reflection of the product, of the digital product, and not just ACV, because if the market were driving these decisions, right, the commercial consigners would insist that they need to have ACV's product or ACV's competitor, digital competitor's products. I think there are some limitations uh, to the digital product as it relates to the requirements a commercial consigner has, okay? Facilitation, logistics, hubs, okay? Reconditioning, Right, storage. Brianna, we were talking about storage capacity and so forth. Those are just simple things that none of the digital providers are yet able to uh, provide the large institutional commercial remarketers, the commercial consigners. Right. So, I think um, uh, otherwise, again, I think the market would have demanded that, um, uh, and that the market being the commercial consigners would demand of uh, auction services and and auto IMS to give access to the digital providers. Which brings me to my third point, and I'll, and I'll hand the ball from there. We can do some question and answer, which is that, and, and I mentioned, you know, the page 136 uh, in, in, in the claimant uh, that the retail customer is harmed. I submit that the dealer is harmed in this, um, in that we're fracturing the buyer's base. Uh, I love to say, and I'm known as saying, cars get bought at auction, okay? So unintentionally, the collateral consequence here is that uh, the buyer, and, and, and I think Brianna or Jay, you and I were talking earlier before the call, that, and I'm just talking about just the, the regular guy who's, who's stocking 20, 30 cars on it. He's juggling all the time now. He wants to buy Honda's cars. He can't use ACV. He's got to be on another site. If he, if he wants to buy just consignment cars, well, I guess he can do both. Um, if he wants to be in lane, then he's got to get his car and go there. So I think maybe the industry has got to step back here a couple feet and look at this because the common denominator is Irregardless of it being brick and mortar and uh, uh, automated with a, uh, APIs with auto IMS or a, a new disruptive digital provider, we all share the same customers, the dealerships. And I think we're fracturing the buyer's base there. So, again, just to summarize, uh, this is legal stuff. Let's wait and see what the courts have to say. Secondly, that um, I think maybe digital still got a little ways to go so that it can facilitate the large commercial consigners. And then thirdly, let's make sure that we understand that uh, you got to make this easy on the dealerships. Water will find a level here. And I think the market should be saying more about this. Interestingly, though, we don't see a lot of coverage on it, do we, Jack? This hasn't made the front page yet. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to, no. are we? No, not for some time. I got to play devil's advocate here a yeah. little bit because um, I'm kind of conditioned as a recovery agent to be so uh, consumer friendly. So do we really need to just protect the dealerships when consumers could have access to so many more vehicles at fair prices if the digital auctions could offer, uh, you know, the same uh, or be on the same platform? From the dealership's perspective or the retail customer? Yeah, the retail customer. I mean, let's talk about the consumers because at the end of the day, CFPB is down all of our throats. So, well, if, is this kind of like where the industry from the retail perspective is going? We see now Buick is being offered to buy back their franchise. General Motors wants out of the Buick franchise business so they can sell their EVs directly to the consumer. So, mm -hmm. okay. All right. So, you know, let's, these, everybody's doing this now, right? I'm so, playing devil's advocate. I didn't. All right. So, right. So, but I, I think that the, the niche that is wholesale that's existed, right, and the consumer being insulated from or never being exposed to what a vehicle's actual cash value is and how it's determined, 
uh, that's not being protected by the auction process, digital or or uh, 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 brick and mortar. But if you if you take that model, every form of retail commerce has a wholesale distribution model behind it. So if if, if actual cash values on a wholesale level need to be exposed to the retail public, are we going to see that in the food industry? Or what does it really cost to buy a hotel room? Is that going to become available to us? So I think, I think, and again, in terms of the information that exists, okay, and the data that these companies, both digital and brick and mortar, possess in terms of the values of these cars, do we really, do we really, as an industry, would it would it be smart to expose or otherwise educate the retail customer as to what the wholesale value of a car is? I think that's dangerous territory. That becomes a race to the bottom. Okay. So what do you think the danger of the digital footprint on this industry is? Because I know that we've had uh, lenders and forwarders alike approach us and ask us to hold their vehicles and let them remarket us, remarket them off of our lots. And, you know, most of us have not agreed because the, the fees aren't fair. But basically, these digital auctions want to utilize our insurance policies and our facilities to hold their vehicles, right? Which, um, which the lenders a lot uh, often don't pay us for storage. So I do see like the, um, the issue with that. So I think, I think Chris Chamberlain said it in the chat, and I'm not looking at it now, I'm just gonna assume, I'm not gonna go back out to the, to the YouTube chat. Yeah, I didn't see but, anything in the chat, it's empty out for but, but, me. But there was, and Chris said, you know, geez, you know, why can't there be a blend here? You need both, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like when you go in for an operation, it's just not the surgeon, there's an anesthesiologist in there too. Would you want your surgeon also uh, anesthetizing you, or would you want another expert there? So I, I, think, I think the market demands both, and as I said, the water always finds a level, doesn't it? Right. So, so, um, and I, I think that I think that question, Brianna, needs to be uh, asked of the of the buying community, the, the the greater dealership community, from the large top 150 groups, okay, right down to the guy that we referred to before, uh, that maybe he's driving a truck for you as well, and he's got a license, or his brother does, right, and he's trying to buy cars. So you'd get you in that spectrum. I think you probably get pretty common. Uh, 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 pretty common position as Chris stated that yeah I'm going to use both because some cars I feel like I've got to touch and smell and kick myself others and uh, I forget who referred to it and I'll name when it comes to it. it's, um, a friend of mine who used uh, oh commodity cars he used the phrase as a commodity <laughs> car right like a 22 18 inch wheel Dodge Ram from Enterprise with 23,000 miles on it yeah. we know what that car is going to look like but we don't know what a 2010 Avalon with 178,000 miles on look like and some guys just don't trust the digital process others don't you know they just don't want to get kicked in an auction lane so i mean it will blend itself and depending on what your preferences are or what your comfort level is right so by limiting a dealer's ability to purchase commercial consignments only through aligned companies named in the suit i think there's where the fracture comes in so of my three points i'm going to stick with that one the most i think the market hasn't weighed in here yet and if if the defendants in this case really listened, and I'm I'm not saying they don't, but if they really listened to what the buying public was saying, I think that uh, the playing field here needs to be leveled, and access should be granted to ACV. They're going to be the pioneer here and get it. I think they'll get it, and then all the others will follow, and there'll be a more level playing field. And competition is good for the industry. I absolutely agree with that. I think the Copart precedent is very insightful and copart status now that they have license and are a member should speak volumes to this case uh, i'm also really curious that was the physical auction requirement actually introduced early on as to why acv can't have access to auto ims because if that's true that sounds strange or maybe something about the requirement of there being a physical, uh, a, a physical uh, a building, a you know, an address, a lot, and that was a prerequisite to NAAA uh, membership. So, and maybe that's that's part two to this call. Let's look into that. Look what the bylaws say on those things. And I'm sure the attorneys. And that's why I say that this is all heady legal antitrust stuff. And uh, we'll we'll let those guys that uh, charge a lot more an hour than any of us do uh, 
uh, figure this out in the courts because that's where it's going. It's, and, it, and it's not going to be, I don't think it's a quick, uh, I don't think there's a quick outcome. Well, and I'll just add this part too, is that at Crux, access to auto IMS, I had no idea until this lawsuit that auto IMS was so per pervasive through the industry. I didn't know, right? How would I know that? And so that, that I find that really interesting. And I think then in transportation, excuse me, in transportation, um, if let's say transporters, <laughs> let's say transporters did not have access to say the number one load board because of, you know, we don't, you know, your truck's not large enough or you're in the wrong state and therefore you can't have access to the number one load board, what's that going to do to your business? And how would we categorize that type of uh, penalty against your business in a legal matter? That's what I find so interesting. Yeah, you know, and I think too, from a business model standpoint, auto IMS charges a fee on a per unit basis or something like this, right? And that we're watching digital go like this on the sales curve, it's gaining sales. There's volumes of cars that they're not able to fill out because they won't integrate with the digital providers. I mean, that to me is antithetical to- That's uh, right. <laughs> it's like, nonsensical. Now it's like, I mean, these dummies, if let like 25% of the cars go to the digital auctions, well, you know, I mean, where's it going next? Is it capped now? Now that's, that's something I'm talking about now with some of the smaller wholesale independent auctions that I work with about how to garner some of that back. And their position is that maybe digital is capped at 25, 30% of the market. I, I don't know, we, you know, we're only what? Uh, we're, we're, we're smart auction in 2000, we're OBE in 2006. The next thing that comes down the pike is ACB in 2015 and six or seven years later, look what they've done. You know, Didn't so- I like that in the complaint, the the potential loss of revenue for IMS. I, you know, I, I was, I, I, gone through it. We were saying before, I've thumbed through, I haven't read the thing again. It's a little, little much for me. That's legal. No, I know Jay did a much better job than the rest of us. <laughs> Jay, I want that. It's not right. the redacted version. I want the highlighted version. Mm. Well, I was thinking that too. Yeah. I would love yeah. to share my copy. Yes, please. Uh, but you did I'm highlight sure that, that in there, the potential loss of revenue for yeah. IMS. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So if you were, and that was, Ty and I were talking about this. I mean, if you work at auto IMS, and you're seeing the loss of revenue based on this requirement that restrict access to a license. That would be frustrating. And then well, we're talking a lot of revenue. That's a lot of revenue. Yeah, yeah. where's the gain? Like, wh why? Like, ah, well, and that's why it's pointed out, I think, again, is that you just said it. Where's the gain? I mean, that, that's literally the word. That those words will be said in front of a judge. Where's the game? Why would you do this? I'm curious to see the counter complaint, like, uh, or, you know, if they'll settle after this, but I, it, I'm interested to see the, the counter complaint come out. Yeah. I, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to send this, this, uh, this recording when we're done today, I'm going to send it to some of the, you know, my friends that are good sized dealers, like dealer principals themselves and have it say, what do you think about this? And they say, well, I didn't know anything about it. It's going to be a, and then B they're going to say, because it's always, they have to examine their own process. And I'm talking about the dealer principal himself. He doesn't know where his cars are going to auction anymore. He doesn't know if, if they're on ACV or if they're with back lots or if they're at Rawls, you know, in Carolina, wherever his cars are, that's another issue. If there were a more integrated and transparent of, of integration of the data, a large dealer principal uh, would see where his cars are in real time as well. So um, again, I, I think this is fragmented. And, and that's the collateral consequence of the suit. Um, uh, but we'll, uh, as I said, we'll, we'll have to, you're going to have to wait and see because uh, my guess would be that uh, uh, this does look a little anti-competitive. And if, uh, if enough dealers got behind this, yeah. It definitely smells anti-competitive. And the thing is, I appreciate uh, the fact that it was introduced. That's why, again, I think it's such big news because all you have to do is thumb through it and you're going to learn new information about the industry that on its face is what makes this news yep yep so i mean ty we've said this before really you can't point and click or you or wait a minute, you can point and click and buy a car we always talk about it on cars that move you can't point and click and you know i've been talking with dana rogers more about this recently dana's at, at pal is like well no we're getting pretty close to being able to point and click and move a car right so these 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 integrations 
if I'm a if I'm a savvy uh, a tech investor or uh, or an engineer and I'm hearing this conversation, I'm saying, well, maybe there's room for a second product, another IMS. And I, I guess I have to ask the question: Why a second uh, a second clearinghouse of of, of uh, vehicle information data has not been created? So I mean, well, the investment level's got to be really high. Um, I, it's this impenetrable. So. I'm sorry, I agree with you, and I'm looking at the live chat because the question of Carvana comes up. Carvana, auction access, you would think at some point they're interested in an auction management system such as Auto IMS. Do they have their own? Have they developed their own? What, what well, are they? There's, there's Carvana access that was Mannheim's. That's, that's on Mannheim's line, and now they I'm own sorry, it. Carvana so, access, that's right. right. Yeah, you know, so... so the, the dealers have had the, the dealer community, if you will, uh, the dealer body has had to go out and do these things themselves. I mean, there's, um, uh, and, and, and I'm not going to talk or, or spread anything here that would be non-public or material information. But during my tenure at ACV, this was a big conversation: was how how to how to, how to more uh, tr uh, transparently share uh, the data so the dealer could see where his or her car was in the funnel. So I. I think there's room for a second product here. And I, I bet, it would that, seem that like it. That could be an outcome of this as well. In fact, that's somebody already has to have that in development. Or there may already be an alternate uh, version available. It just hasn't reached the level of use that, I don't know, something's going to happen. Even, even if there's a second product, I mean, that's kind of the problem that we face in our industry. What about the integration? So you can have a product over here, a product over here, a product over here, but unless you can see all of those products in one place, what good is all these products? And and, and that's and that was my my third point, Brown, about and particularly for the smaller dealer who does not have the capital to host these systems, can't make those investments in that type of software development. As a result, he or she is just going to pick the channel they like to swim in, and they're never going to see the other cars. And that's where the commercial. And that's where the commercial consigners are short set. On any given day, I use a dozen different portals, and some clients can see this one, and some clients can see this one, and and then I have to put things into this one so clients can see that one, and then they use two. It's a nightmare. I mean, honestly, I would think that an uh, like an umbrella, an integration would be more well, beneficial than a secondary product. Again, that's an. It, let's say you're dealing with a driver mobile app with vehicle inspections, and you can't use this mobile app because you don't satisfy such requirement. That that makes no sense. You don't have this certificate of compliance. And even if they're given access tomorrow, was enough? Did enough time pass? Was there enough damages to still be an issue? Yeah. Uh, I, we see this in our industry and that's why I was so interested in doing this show with you guys is because, you know, I don't want to go off on a whole repo tangent, but it's the same for us. We have all of these different products and some of them don't integrate and it makes it very difficult for us to manage our companies. Um, but we have to utilize all of them because that's the expectations of our various clients. And it comes back to the client, right? Will, well, uh, who said the customer's always right? I don't know who said, who said that, right? The customer's always right. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's uh, and, and, and we are in a live marketplace here. Um, and uh, a car is going to do uh, what the last guy with his hand, his or her hand in the air, says the car is worth. That determines the value of the car. And by limiting, to some extent, by prohibiting, uh, in, in ACV's case, I, I, and I don't know what percentage of the market they garner now, let's say it's 10% of the overall car auction market or something like that. 10% of the cars really aren't visible. That's, uh, I, I think that is, that, uh, that is anti-competitive and it puts a dealer at a disadvantage. And again, other than what they said on page 136, I think that jumps the gun a little bit. <laughs> I don't want the retail customer exposed uh, to what a car is worth. And I would bet that any of the dealers that are on that are listening to this would want a customer exposed to what a car is worth either. So, um, uh, so in, we'll, which, in which case the point is well made. Less competition, the higher prices, the higher fees, the less choice. Right. And for ACV to say that, you know, oh, the, the, the car, then, then the dealer is going to pass along uh, the, the lower cost of the consumer. I'm sorry. Uh, profit is not a dirty <laughs> word. 
and, 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 and the market will command what that car is worth. So, and you don't know, Brianna might want that Chevy C71 Tahoe worse than I do. She's going to pay more anyhow. I'm not going to get the car. So the market demands that now. And I think that's the other thing too, and I consider this in preparing for the call or for the, for the, for the YouTube, the, you know what I'm saying, the, the podcast, whatever it is, right? <laughs> whatever. It, it is, yeah, for the thing that we're doing over here. It would be that, uh, that you, you know, the, the, this, this, this fits outside um, of just the context of a, of a legal lawsuit, right? I mean, it is a big business. What did NAAA say? How many billions of dollars this is? Uh, let's 121 not billion. Yeah, let's not kid it. In 2021. There's a lot of comments. This is more about fairness. This is well, about flux, So. To your point, well, I'm the, in the wrong industry. I'm coming over with you guys. <laughs> to your point, the lack of access to this information <laughs> helps exemplify. Excuse yeah, excuse me. Helps exemplify. It's gonna make it over there. It's definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It it helps exemplify the need of what it is that's being brought up. It's very strange. Well, I can't. Uh, I don't know if there's any other Q and A there, but I, 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 am, I am interested to see what uh, what what the what the dealerships have to say about this. And uh, we didn't hear a lot about Carvana Odessa. We thought there would be a big revolt. Uh, 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 Ernie Garcia the third commented recently that uh, the pushback that he, they thought they would receive came, and some of those dealers left, and they came back to Odessa. I think some of this will happen as well. You know that. Um, there'll be this i think war is more like a skirmish i think this thing the court will determine what's going to happen and then we're going to go right back to where you the seller perceive the, the buying strength to be and that's where you're going to send your cars right if there's one thing i've learned in 30 plus years is that the seller is going to place his or her cars where they perceive the buying strength to be right and that should not be inhibited or should not be blocked by a lack of data integration so uh, I, I, I would guess again, uh, and again, I stayed in way out of my legal depth here, but my guess would be wow. that um, the a car auction, it can be digital as well as brick and mortar, and that um, the market would be much better served in that the dealership community will have access to both simultaneously. I fully believe in a hybrid model. I sure. mean. Right. Right. I think we're already at hybrid. And I stepped out of my legal depth an hour ago. I just want to say that in the live chat, I mean, great points. Car Offer, Mannheim Express, E-Block, Carvana, we saw some listed as well. There are so many digital solutions that does the, if it's true, if there is and or was a physical auction requirement, does that still make sense to keep in place, to restrict access to the number one used auction inventory management system required by most commercial consigners. Does that even make sense anymore? Sounds a little dated. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I tend to go down the, the rabbit hole on all of this, and I know that it's not the safest place to go, but you, <laughs> you look at the dealer, and Will's right. Who's the real customer in this conversation? It's the dealer, right? And I know the dealers that I've worked with for 20 plus years, here's what I know about them. You cannot get rid of them. You, you can't. They will find a way, a place to get used inventory. So fast forward to today, just like somebody said in the live chat, what do you got? You got ACV, Backlog Cars, you got VenQ, you got Max Digital, you got Jace. Last night, I still haven't seen the article yet for it, but it looks like we've got, uh, what did you call it, Jay? The wholesale the what? The buy whole center. Center. the buy centers. Oh, the buying centers. Yeah, that's a dealership uh, vehicle acquisition strategy. Oh. Right. So what? Okay. So you, I just stop for a minute. What's ACV? Well, what is ACV? What do they do? It's an automotive auction wholesale platform. Right. Okay. And they take it's versus. So you don't have to go to the auction. The physical auction will come to you. Is that right? I, I think you do have to go there. You've got to spend. I think it. I think it requires the same investment as it does getting in your car and driving. For, for me to go from here down to Mannheim, Pennsylvania, I had to leave Thursday night, like eleven at night, to get there to walk that many lanes. Uh, you know, I, I and I'm not going to name, but some of the some of the digital uh, products not yet named in this thing, right? I, there could be co-plaintiffs uh, in this thing, right? Um, that. I'm hearing dealer uh, general managers and, and wholesale platform managers saying that digital just takes too much time. It can be 
all day long, every day of the week. If you're running that kind of volume and you're and you're launching these cars throughout the day and throughout the week, you're jammed up, man. You're looking at your phone the whole time, your wife with your other, and you're and you're selling cars. It can be too consuming, right? Where in, in the traditional physical model, your cars are there for Wednesday. You ran all 75 cars. You got 62 of them done. Three or four are going to get sold off the block uh, or through a simulcast situation throughout the rest of the week, and you load up for next week. So the, the, the two products, it's, it's a little bit, we were talking about an umbrella that needs to go over the top of this. You know, auctions are like, uh, are like Neapolitan ice cream. You know, what is it? Chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, right? We all like ice cream. Right? I like chocolate a little more than maybe Brianna likes uh, vanilla. And Jen, you're only going to eat strawberry. So let the market determine this. Where do you want to buy and sell your cars? Have at it. I don't know. I mean, I know that inspections uh, can be a little more thorough with digital. I have a little bit of experience uh, with um, we uh, at our company kind of uh, dabbled with using a um, an e-auction site to remarket some cars off of our lot. We didn't really like the process or actually holding the cars, but, you know, we had the little plug-in for the UDB port and, like, we were able to, like, you know, see if it was throwing any codes. And then, like, we already take really great condition reports and pictures, so we were able to submit those. And, you know, nobody, no third party had to come onto our lot to, to you know, drive the vehicle or inspect it or take their own pictures or whatever. So like you wouldn't have to fly out to my lot to, you know, you know, walk a lane or view these vehicles. So I think there's a benefit uh, to digital as well. Um, especially if you're buying mass, mass amounts of inventory, like you really want to go out and be like, oh yeah, I want that one or I want this one or I want that one. Like, I mean, I don't have experience with that myself, but like that just also seems kind of like a hassle. But who knew that we would go kicking and screaming into the future? I don't know. Digital is kind of the future, though, right? Well, even by some of some of the name defendants' own admissions, allegedly, yes. And maybe that that is the threat, right? They have uh, the experience with the digital more so than these brick and mortar auctions. But like I said, I do believe in a hybrid, but I like to play devil's advocate. I think that digital has its place and it's um, effective. If it's well, it's a, a, as if it needed to be explained. Yeah. Right. 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 So, Will, I've just got a question. What happens if uh, if auto IMS says, hey, sorry, you're in the club now. And uh, how much did you want for damages? We'll write you a check. Sorry about that. See, the, the thing about this lawsuit, in my opinion, is, is there's a lot of darkness in this. And I think there's some light coming in. So if you start following these, you know, Santander, I mean, that's huge. GM, that's huge. I mean, keep going. And they, they if I heard the, what Jay said right, they were basically told you, you just use auto IMS. Is that what I thought I heard? Kinda. What was read in the complaint is that they would be working with ACV, except for the fact that ACV doesn't have access to auto IMS. Okay, so what's the advantage to those big guys with big money doing business with ACV? Well... It, you know, I, 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 I think well, if I had my ACV shoes on, I have my, I'm off mute here, right? Because I wasn't, if I had my ACV shoes on, I would say that you're, you're going to have more eyes on your cars. And that's irrefutable. Okay. And, and the geographic dispersion, because we used an Avalon before, 2010 ratty uh, used up Avalon, right? That's worth a lot of money between Boston and New York City, right? Nobody wants the thing in, in, in St. Louis uh, or Oklahoma City. Right. And brick and mortar does not necessarily transcend the geographic distance. So uh, if you're if you're a, a, a we're not talking now about the large, large commercial consigners. But if you're a small credit union and you've got an Avalon in St. Louis, it's worth uh, that car's worth fifty eight hundred bucks out there. It's worth it's worth ninety three hundred dollars in on Long Island. You got to put your car in front of the audience where you perceive the buying strength of it, which supports my case. Uh, and where I'll wrap up is to say that cars get bought at auction and you've got you've got to look through the prism of the buyer. Where is it 
that you feel you have the greatest strength in order for you to maximize the return of your car. If I'm a remarketing manager and I've got a large portfolio of cars, I'm going to blend them, knowing that certain cars need different sets of eyeballs. So that's, okay. that's what I'll come down to. Hey, now at the same time, look, at I'm holding my old gavel here that I've had forever. You know, I'm coming from the brick nice. and mortar mold for years and years and years and years. It's still, you know, a repo still hammer. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. So Bob August gave me this uh, years ago. He got uh, again, um, an, uh, a, a uh, Hall of Fame honoree of the NAAA, and I've had it for years. I cherish it. It sits right here. So I can gavel, gavel down. The, uh, the, 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 the reality is, is and, and again, uh, to repeat myself, sorry to be redundant, but uh, uh, water finds a level, and the dealerships are going to determine where these cars ultimately get sent. Uh, based on their preference. And like so if you're a consumer wanting to sell your vehicle, you go to every uh, business that buys vehicles so you can get the best price, right? Well, but what if one of the best ones isn't allowed access to the internet? You know, and that's and that's a good and that's a good question. First, who is the best one at that? Irrefutably, CarMax. And what do we ever hear from CarMax? Aren't they deftly quiet? On all of this, you never hear them weigh in anything. They just keep their mouth shut and exercise their model. They still source more cars off the street than they do at auctions. You don't see them even touching this stuff with a 10-foot pole because when you go to CarMax to sell your car to get an appraisal, you're treated so well and the process is so transparent, you may not buy a car there, but where do you think you're going to go the next time you do need a used car? based on how you were treated during the transaction. So I, I think the dealership community's got a, got a lot of room there to catch up to CarMax. They're clobbering, clobbering the dealers, buying cars off the street. They do it better, okay? Some brick and mortar auctions do it better than uh, uh, ACV or, or, or backlot cars. Backlot cars has a lot of strengths. They do things better than the auction that that dealer and his family has been using and that part of the Carolinas forever and ever and ever. They've gone digital. Okay, who has the better tools? And the perception is, where are my cars doing the most money? Where are the buyers? What's the buyer's preference? So, uh, I, I would say let's take this up again and, and see if we can pull uh, what 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 the big meat-eating uh, primary wholesale buyers think about this. Where, where where is it that they want to buy their cars? Right? Do they you know do they need to know as much? I mean, some of these condition reports, Brand, that you talked about, you make the car auction proof. They over-describe the car. Who would buy it? Right. Whereas if the thing just crosses the block on a Thursday rainy afternoon, that Avalon we're talking about. Oh, well, I mean, if I only pay 58 bucks for it, how long can I be? <laughs> it's going to be a tragedy when you get it back to your shop. You know that. But you're just going to put it on a truck and send it to, to New Jersey where it's going to do nine grand. So we're talking about a coconut shell game here as well. And that uh, these guys are you know, stereotyping by saying guys. Right. <laughs> uh, they set the market. The smartest guy in the room is the last guy with his his arm in the air, right? Digitally or at a brick and mortar. He knew what the car was worth. He's got a home for it. Trust me. How many car collectors do you really know? Right? These cars are on the move. It's being pointed to a to another auction where it's worth more dough. So make that process as transparent and as equitable, right? Uh, uh, for the, the general buying public. And if you can get more eyes on your cars, uh, that's where you should determine to send your cars. Yeah. Great. So we'll pick back up next time we get some kind of uh, important update. One way or another, there's going to be one. And then we'll continue this. So I want to thank you all so much. Uh, Will Morris, Car Auction Coach, Brianna Cox, Asset Resolutions, Ty Thompson, Cars on the Move. Thank you all so much. I always I think I love more uh, hanging out with you guys than I actually uh, add value, but I do enjoy uh, always uh, hanging with you and learning more from you guys. Value mm. was added. Likewise. Likewise. We appreciate you. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Be safe out there. All right, Thank you all so guys. much. Uh, and I'll see you soon. Okay, we'll see you see, soon. Thank you. I'll really see you Friday. It cars on the move. Cars Oaks on the move. Uh, <laughs> I will. Right. I will. Right. I'm tuned in, you guys. Uh, I'm. In, I'm in the night shift now. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, all right. dude. Bye. Bye, Will. Thanks, Brianna. See you, man. Okay. Well, thank you all very much. I sure do appreciate it. Um, again, there is so much information to be gleaned just by picking up a copy. 
of your own ACV auctions 51 page complaint against NAAA, Mannheim, Odessa, Servnet, IAG. Um, so much information here and a lot to be learned. This is an important news story. We're going to keep covering it on ATI Auto Business. Maybe the only channel that continues to cover this, but we're going to do that. We want to hear from you. What do you think matters? Uh, if you read an article, a press release, uh, or have a conversation, or a technology, or a business that you think is relevant to this topic, please let us know. You can always send in the news. Send it to autotransportintel at gmail.com. I'm going to put that email here in the live chat. If you see the posts on social media, please make sure you comment. You can comment on YouTube after the fact. There's information on LinkedIn and I think some Facebook, Instagram, etc. But mainly LinkedIn is where we're going to keep this issue because this affects automotive business professionals the most. It affects many automotive business professionals. So many, there are so many folks that can't even talk about this. That makes it a big issue. Please keep us posted. Thank you for tuning in today. Stay safe. Please join us soon again on ATI Auto Business. We appreciate you and have a great day. Thank you.